Hey everybody, this is Steve Gamlin, the motivational firewood guy, and you are listening and enjoying the Shadows Podcast. Howdy dowdy, Shadowites. Wait, John, do they even call themselves that? Mm, I don't know, Kirk, but they should. John, the commercial. Right. How many more times are you going to invest $5 in heated bean juice only to fizzle out faster than your New Year's resolution? Trust us, we've been there. During our days running 24-hour operations, the struggle was real. That's why, as veterans, we decided to create the game changer that we wish we had. Sisu Stamina Energy Chews. Designed with precision. And science. Sisu Stamina is your take-anywhere, do-anything fuel that provides immediate smooth energy razor focus, and compounding health benefits, all for about a buck a serving. Head over to ULAUniverse.com. Use Shadows 10 at checkout to save site-wide so you can conquer your shadows today and forge a brighter tomorrow. All right, everyone, I want to welcome you to another episode of The Shadows Podcast. Now, we are about to go into a whole new concept, whole new fresh coat of paint on the show here as we have just passed our three-year anniversary of the podcast. But before doing so, we have some incredible guests lined up for you, one of which I have with me here today. She is a motivational keynote speaker. She is an author of Break Proof, which comes out January 9th. She's also a podcast host, Seek Your Summit. And also, I thought this was pretty cool, Guinness World Record Holder. I think you're the first Guinness World Record Holder that I've had on the podcast. Jennifer Drummond, welcome to the shadows. Thank you so much for having me. You know, I got to like kind of disclose Guinness World Record Holder as well, because there's some weird things that you can do to be oh, in a record book. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. yeah. I Like when I was going after it, I was like the kind of came up from a bet from my son and then a coach and whatever. And we were talking about someone who got a record. I'm like, oh, I want a record, but I'm not growing pumpkins or speed eating hot dogs or doing the fingernail thing or any of those weird ones. He's like, yeah. no, no, no. I'll think of a good one for you. Spoon collection or things like yeah, that. I know just nutty things. Like I know people who are part of like the largest blanket fort. Yeah. Not doing that. Yeah. that. <laughs> well, your, yours was pretty impressive and we'll get to that momentarily. But first of all, I want to uh, put you through some rapid fire questions that we typically have our guests go through. First one for you, book recommendation. Ooh, Unreasonable Hospitality. Okay, Unreasonable yeah. Hospitality. It's Why a that really book? good one. It's about a restauranteur and how he went from the 50th best restaurant in the world to the f- number one restaurant in the world. Hmm. And that just documented that journey of what he needed to do to get to the restaurant and to that position. And it was very little to do with the food and very much to do with the service and the people and things like that. Oh, wow. Okay. That's yeah. cool. cool. You got a plane ticket. You can go anywhere in the world. Where would you go? Only right now would I say Guam, because if I've heard of something in like three times within a week, it's normally a sign that I need to go visit. And I've heard the word Guam or somebody from Guam three times this week, which like who even heard, hears of Guam ever? Yeah. So, Military, I hear about it here and there. Yeah. I mean, not me. I live in Park City. We don't yeah. ever hear. <laughs> All right. And guilty pleasure. Oh, guilty pleasure. I don't like to associate the word guilt with pleasure. Um, I don't know. <laughs> so sweets, I nothing like sweets, that. Sweets are definitely in the list. We'll do sweets. Okay. And yeah. If you could have a job for a day, what would you be? For just for a day? Yep. Ooh. I'd like to be a diplomat in Indonesia. Okay. Very very specific. <laughs> yes. 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 Why a diplomat in Indonesia? 
because there's a mountain there that I want to climb and you're not allowed to climb it since 2017. So if I had the diplomat status, I'd be able to climb it and then it'd be off my list. Makes sense. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm glad I asked that follow-up and just leave it at that. <laughs> and final question for you. Dinner for three, three historical figures who are no longer with us. Who do you break bread with? Oh, I break Grandpa Jack. Never got to meet him. Okay. Um, Harriet Tubman. I did a report on her in third grade and all the work she did in the Underground Railroad. And then Amelia Earhart, who's a pilot. Mm. So her story still today is so intriguing as to like what happened and everything. Yes. Yes. Okay. So I'd want to meet my grandpa and then I'd want to meet these two women that have kind yeah. of fascinated me throughout history. Yeah. Two groundbreakers. Okay. Yeah. Well, you survived a rapid fire. Tough parts over with. Now the easy part, we're going to be talking about you. Okay. So what was childhood like for Jen? Um, I had the um, all American childhood, right? I had the stay at home mom, the dad that worked a brother and a sister. I was the oldest. I was into sports. Um, if I did sports, I didn't have to do chores. So I did sports <laughs> all the time. I played the piano, you know, all the things, all the things. What were some of your aspirations as a kid? Um, I wanted to be a flight attendant at one point because then I could fly anywhere I wanted to go in the world. And mm. I was always fascinated with travel and other cultures and other places. So at one point I'm like, oh, I'll be a flight attendant so I can do that. And then in high school, I taught tennis lessons in the summer. And thank goodness I lived in Michigan. So it wasn't a year round career because I made really good money for a high schooler during the summer that it would have been good enough to keep me from maybe going further in my career pursuits. But thankfully that was not my choice. So I continued in college and then I got into finance and I started my own company in finance, hired myself out of a job, but I still own the company, became a mom, became a mountaineer. And here we are today. Where do you think you got that itch for traveling? Um, I think Disney World of all like things that I don't even really? want to give credit to. Is it a small right? world or something? It's a small world after yeah. all. No, I just remember going down to Epcot and seeing all those flags. Yeah. And seeing all those different places and like, oh, I wonder what it's like. And we would travel, I mean, nowhere crazy. We'd go to Florida and you would read about places that were only islands. I'm like, I want to go to an island. I want to live on an island. Like just, I don't know. It's funny you say that because when I was a little kid, we went to Epcot and yeah. I remember the Norway section and the little trolls and everything. Yeah. This is before Frozen was over there. And when we got to Europe, I was like, gosh, I've always wanted to go to Norway. And my wife was like, that's very specific. I'm like, well, I was a kid going to Epcot. Uh, and when I went there, it was a big deal to me. All thanks to Disney. Yeah, right. So Disney influences more than we like to admit. So there we yeah. go. <laughs> there we go. Exactly. So you mentioned finance. What what got you into finance when you were in high school and college? Yeah. So I went to college and I did an internship for a mm -hmm. company that was manufacturing office furniture. And I went to college like 1988 or 1998 to 2001. I graduated early. And when I was there, we were trying to staff people on this manufacturer line to make all these chairs. And I was helping with the temporary labor. So for this company, they brought everybody in through a temporary workforce. And then if they worked out really well, then they could be hired permanently. So we had about 200 people on the temporary line. Y2K happens. Mm. And we have to fire 200 people that weeks prior 
I was begging to come in, asking them to miss soccer games. Don't go home on the weekend, like work a 12 hour day, like all the things. And then all of a sudden to have that happen and then have the extreme opposite happen within a semester of college. I was like, wow, there's no way yeah. I'm going to be able to work for somebody and know that my job could be taken like this. And I had no sight. And mm -hmm. so I knew I needed to do something that I had more autonomy and a friend that graduated from college a year ahead of me. And he got a job in finance. He's like, Jen, you're expensive. Like you should take a job in finance because you'll make good money. You'll learn how to manage money. And this will work for who you want to be in life. I'm like, okay, fine. So I went to the school registrar and I'm like, hey, listen, I got offered this job. Do you think you can graduate me? And they're like, yeah, you just need to take a couple summer courses. I went to my parents and I said, hey, listen, I got offered this job. My friend graduated. He's going to work there. I can get out of school. I figured out my credits. Are you okay? And my parents said, yes, as long as you stay there for a year because you can't graduate from college early and then go take a job for three weeks that you don't like and quit and have like nothing going on. I'm like, okay, fair enough. What am I? Yeah, I can handle that. No big deal. So I remember showing up to my job on the first day and I'm like, hi, I'm Jen. I'm the new financial advisor, all excited. And this lady at the front, she's like, oh, hey, Jen, welcome. And she's like, over in that room over there, there's a table at the end that has a phone book and a phone and that will be your spot. I'm like, oh, no, no, no. I'm the financial advisor. That'd be the call center. I'm not call center. And she's like, honey, it's the same thing. How do you think you get your clients? And I was like, what? Why did nobody tell me this? Why didn't I know to ask these questions in an interview? What are you talking about? And so my first couple of weeks on the job, I went home every day sobbing, like full on tears. I'd never heard no so many times. I can't believe this is a job. This is, should be illegal. Like, what are we, what is going on here? And I was scared of my parents. So calling my parents, not an option. Yeah. So I called a school. I'm like, hey, I'm Jen Drummond. Like, I just graduated. I was kidding. I didn't want to graduate. Do you think you could get me back in? And the registrar is like, honey, you're graduated. You have a degree. You have to re-register at the school to be able to come back and do classes again. So that's not really an option right now. I was like, oh my gosh. So I circled on the calendar an exact year from when I started. I'm like, all right, I just got to commit to this commitment. And when it's done, I am out of here. But for right now, this is my lot in life. And luckily, I mean, that happened at some level because then it became, how do I make this cold calling fun? Yeah. How do I gamify this horrible situation? How do I turn this around? And the interesting thing about financial services is that the industry works. I'm not questioning whether the industry works or not. It's whether you work or not in the industry. And so the company I worked for worked ungodly hours. Like it's eight to eight, Monday through Friday, nine to noon on Saturday. And you got caught up on stuff on Sunday. And that was the culture. And that was normal. And so I drank the Kool-Aid, did the thing. And because it's like two years of work and one year, I became successful. And my first year out of college, I made more money than my parents did combined. And I thought I hit the lotto. What What was the biggest thing you learned about yourself through that year? Um. You can make something horrible, less horrible. Yeah. 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 It's always, like, always as bad as you make it. It is. It truly is. Like, I mean, and I had to do things to make it tolerable. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because it was horrible and I hate cold callers and I was one of them. So I had to hate myself, but I bought one of those 
pop guns. They don't even make them anymore. I swear they only make the ice cream version of it where you have this foam ball that's stuck to a string and then you can like push the ice cream cone and the, like the ball pops out Yeah, yeah, yeah. back in the day, you could buy it as a gun where you'd shoot it and then the ball would come off, but it'd be attached to the string. So you could yep. attach it back to the little gun thing. I can't find those anywhere. If you can find them, let me know. Um, <laughs> so I bought that gun. And so when someone would hang up on me or be a jerk on the phone, I'd shoot them and I'd take my power back. I'm like, fine, I'm saying no to you too. And I would load my gun up and make the next call. And I'd load my gun up and make the next call. And then I learned that it's a numbers game. If I made a hundred dials, 97 people would be no, no and horrible. Two people would lie to me and say they're going to come in and not show up. And one person would come in, show up, and I'd help them invest their money. And that I would make maybe a thousand to $3,000 on that person. Well, then all of a sudden I could do the math and be like, okay, well, really every no is like $10. I can get paid to hear no's all day long if I get paid $10. So I just kept doing it that way. And that's how I had the momentum to continue. And then when something's painful enough, you find other ways around it, right? Yeah. Like, And so I started figuring out how to get referrals and I joined networking groups and I did different things so that I didn't have to depend on the phone to build my book of business. I'm curious, which of your parents do you think you get that optimism from? My dad was in sales. So I think that mm. helped um, a lot. And my mom was a hustler. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I think it's truly a combo of both. Yeah. Like nothing's getting past my mother. And my dad was, everybody just loved my dad. And I knew that the reality was, is like we were helping people. That does help. Like when you believe in the product or you see the results of the work that you do when somebody comes in it gets you excited because like, oh, they get to send junior to college or they get to retire and they know that they can retire with some confidence that they maybe didn't have before. And so when that tugs at your heartstrings, it makes it a lot easier to be in the battle arena. Yeah. And you mentioned you wouldn't call them and tell them, you know, like, hey, I'm, I'm folding up shop. But did you ever call them and be like, hey, I need some advice on how to do this sales thing? No, because my dad was like door to, I mean, he went to like, he was B to C. Yeah. Right? Or B2B, I guess. Like, so he would go, he would be a furniture rep. So he would go to a furniture store and say like, Hey, I think you guys should carry this sofa because it's going really well right now or things like that. So it was a different type of sales. Hmm. Yeah. Do, do you think you picked up a lot of those traits, like watching them like subconsciously throughout the years? Yeah. And I think like when you have parents that are entrepreneurial, that's like, sorry for that. Um, You just naturally become more so. I mean, mm -hmm. we would have, I remember growing up and we'd have lemonade stands and then I would make Monopoly boards. Okay. Back in the day before Monopoly made like Monopoly boards for each city that you live in or yeah. whatever, we would make Monopoly boards and I'd make like a cat board because like the, all the neighbors had cats. I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm going to make a cat Monopoly board. And then they would buy my Monopoly board and I could sell my Monopoly board for like $8 and I sell lemonade for 20 cents. I'm going to like build my Monopoly boards all day long. Right. And so I think you just... You know, my, we had garage sales growing up. So it was like, okay, I'm going to sell this thing and get my money back and buy something else. And that's the way it was. Now my kids have outdone me. We really? were in, my kids did a lemonade stand. And instead of having a dollar amount listed, they said donation or whatever you feel comfortable giving. Oh. And so they slayed it, right? Like totally slayed it. Oh, I bet. I bet. Yeah. So you mentioned the Monopoly. Were were your pets like Boardwalk and Park Place? Yeah, 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 they, totally. Exactly. Yeah, they were the right? blue ones. 
the yes, cats you don't I, like were like the the ones right at the beginning yeah yeah 100 like baltic avenue the, the, per, the purple like, ones yeah. yeah 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 imagine buying that and you open it up and you see your pets are like baltic <laughs> yeah, avenue and the, the crappy wow. properties wow like, they hate buying this board she hates Forget my you. pets <laughs> yes so you mentioned your kids you're a mother correct me if i'm wrong mother is seven I am. Oh my gosh. Crazy. It is. It is. So I was the lady that couldn't have kids, right? Like I just, my body didn't do it naturally. And I remember feeling horrible about it. Like why that's the one thing we're born to do. And it's the one thing my body won't naturally do. So what does this mean? Um, When naturally we like to sign a whole bunch of negative meanings to it, Mm -hmm. which doesn't serve us. And I met with a fertility doctor we did treatments for a while and then finally figured out the chemical cocktail that worked and it turned me into a hen. Like literally I got no eggs, no eggs, no <laughs> eggs. And then all of a sudden we did this like cocktail like deal that they made and I got 28 eggs in one of their harvests. And then from those 28 eggs, 14 became embryos. And wow. so they planted two. I had my first son. And I got a bill from the fertility clinic. I'm like, nah, I've already paid all my bills. I don't know what this is for. And they're like, well, these are for your embryos. Like, well, uh, I don't remember this part. We need to have a conversation. So mm. we had a conversation. And in Michigan, every state's different. And the laws change all the time in this arena. But at the time, you either used them, you donated them, or you destroyed them. So I'm like, okay. If I donate them my whole life, I'm going to be looking around. Are you my kid? Are you my kid? Are you my kid? So that just felt weird. Yeah. In Michigan, they give the embryos to you to destroy. I'm like, I just spent how much effort and time and energy to have my first kid. And now you're telling me like, I'm going to go destroy these embryos. Like I believe in karma. This is not going to go over well. Like, I don't know if I can do that. So then I'm like, okay, well, I'll just use them. And they rank embryos. So they'll rank them from one to four. And one are good ones and fours are not like maybe not survive the thaw type of thing. And so when they were ranking them, they're like, we think you'll get three, maybe four kids. And I already had one. So I was going to have two to three kids more. Okay, I can do that. Like I grew up in a Catholic family. I'm one of three. My dad's one of 11. So, you know, whatever. Four kids, still have embryos. Five kids. I have two embryos left. The worst ones not going to survive the thaw are my twin daughters. So I have five boys and then I have twin girls at the bottom and there's no more embryos and there's no more children. (laughs) Wow. It's crazy. What's the age of all your kids? Yeah. So my oldest is 16. He's turning 17 a week or so. And then my youngest are 10 and they're twins. So I had six kids. Or I had seven kids in six years and six wow. and a half years. Yeah. Yeah. You were, you were pretty preoccupied. I was in the phase. There. I was yeah. in the baby producing phase of my life. Yes. For, for yes. almost a long, full, long time in the military. <laughs> yes. 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 So you, uh, another thing I want to talk to you about is balancing personal life and professional life. How in the world are you able to do that? Cause I, I know some people that have one kid and they're like, I, I can't do it. I just, I don't know how a mother of seven is able to do it and then have a podcast and be an author and be a world record holder and all this other stuff. How in the world are you able to do that? I have a lot of energy. Okay. So one, I have a lot of energy. So that helps a ton. 
And my kids are at an age where they're at school, right? Yeah. During the day. So that helps. I have a lot of support. I tell people big mountains take big teams. Hmm. So if you have big goals, you're going to take a big team to make that happen. Otherwise you're going to run out of steam and it's not going to come to the end. Um, so I have a lot of support to make all of it happen. And it takes a lot of intention, it just doesn't happen. You have to be very focused and intentional about what you're doing. And I have to multitask. So when I was training to climb Everest, for example, I didn't have a whole bunch of free time to go hike up mountains all day long. I mean, I wish I did. It just wasn't my story. So when my kids had a soccer game, I'd beat the mom at the side of the field with a 12 inch step and a backpack full of water bottles. And that entire game, I'd just be going up and down that step so that I could watch his game and still get my fitness numbers in. Mm. Um, if I had zoom calls, I would do zoom. I would pay it. You know, there's technology nowadays that makes everything so much easier, but I have this little guy named Fred, the firefly. I love Fred. Fred enters all my zoom meetings and he does all the dictation, right? Mm -hmm. So then I get all the notes from the meeting. So then I could walk around and do some of my zoom calls while I was listening, but I didn't have to be as because I, I knew somebody else was taking notes for me. Gotcha. Yep. I, I see the fireflies okay. on here. Tell me yeah. about that. That's, that's new to me. Okay. So he's a, like a, a subscription that you can buy okay. and he enters zoom meetings. You can kick him out or leave him in. And when he's in, he'll give a transcript of the meeting. And then he also summarizes questions or what he thinks are to do items or actionable items for mm. different people in the meeting. And it just makes it that much easier to have, you can search the notes, you can search whatever, and it allows you to listen to the meeting and not also having to be like writing everything down at the same time. Super cool. It's yeah. what I always do here. So yeah, that saved me some time. Um, so one thing I want to ask you about is you have a, speaking of the parenting piece, a 40 day parenting challenge. Tell us about that. Yeah. So I built the challenge because I thrive on challenges. So it helps hold me accountable. I like sprinty type things because mm -hmm. um, it allows me just to be more focused and participatory. When I was leaving for Everest, I was like, man, I've never been gone from home this long. Like this is a long time to be away. And so what I did before I left is I put together a 40 day plan so that every day I had a way that I was connecting with my kids. And that just let me know like, okay, I'm being a super mom right now because I'm going to be less super when I'm not here. And I love the challenge. My kids loved it even more. And they started associating when I went on a mountain, we would do the 40 day challenge together before I left on the mountain. Well, when I just finished the world record, my kids are like, wait, we can't do the challenge anymore. What do you mean? I'm like, no, 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 we'll still do it. We'll still do it. So I opened it up this October so that if people want to do it with me, um, we just have a lot of fun with it. It's like silly nice. little things that just connect you to the people you care most about. Yeah. And they can find that on your website. Yeah. Yeah. So jendrummond.com and under challenges, there's four different ones and the parenting one is one of them. And it's okay. not parenting advice. Okay. So don't go in there. Like think all of a sudden you're going to be this. It's just about connecting and it's little yeah. ideas that you can implement every day to connect to your kid. One of the big things that I took away is I did that five languages of love mm -hmm. quiz with my children. And it was fascinating to learn their different love languages. And Especially once when I you got learned, seven, when you have seven, a hundred percent, like one of mine is a gifts. I am not a gift person. And so he's a gifts where if I'm at a hotel and I bring a pen home from that hotel, 
he feels so loved, right? It's like, it's free. It's whatever. I just have to remember to grab the pen when I leave the hotel. But when you have these little things that you know about your humans, it's so much easier to bridge that gap that can form when you're not there full time. That is such a good book too, because um, I'm a words of affirmation guy. Nice. And I can do something and someone can give me an award. They can do whatever. But if I'm not getting like a thank you or, a, you know, like a, hey, good job, like just a thumbs up. That's all I'm looking for is something right. as, as simple as that. So yeah, that's it's good. You bring that up. I do want to ask you about the car accident in 2018 yeah. and how that kind of changed uh, your trajectory. Yeah. Talk to us about what happened then. Yeah, it's kind of interesting how it happened because I was at a phase in my life where there was definitely a time where my kids needed me 24 seven and then some right? Mm -hmm. They were like, I swear to God, we kept huggies in business by ourselves. And then they all go to school. And all of a sudden you find yourself with this time during the day. And instead of being good about that time, I was like, oh, I should go help in the classrooms or coach a soccer game or do all these different things. And I like my life was a thousand and ten percent my kids and then the business left over. And I didn't really carve out a lot of time for me. And I kept telling myself when I get older, when the kids get older, when the kids get to college, then it's the season to go back to me. But right now I'm in the season of motherhood and I was a good mom. I'm not that stay at home mom type. I mean, I wish I was like, I love those ladies who go to Pinterest and come up with like crazy crafts and have socks that match their sweaters and like hair ties and things like that is awesome. That's not me. Like at all. (laughs) And so I just wasn't with my tribe, which then kind of is hard to keep your energy and your momentum going. Well, I got into a horrific car crash in 2018 that should have taken my life and didn't. In fact, I got a a call from the police officers a few weeks after the accident. They're like, we've tried to rebuild this accident at least 50 different times. We can't build a scenario where you live. So I had this happen. And then at like a couple weeks after that, I have a girlfriend of mine that went running on a trail that you and I could push a stroller down. It was wet out. She slipped, hit her head and never came home. And so I'm metabolizing my car wreck that like, there's no, I mean, if you saw the car, you'd be like, what? There was a human in there. How is that possible? What what happened? Were you going through a light or? No, it was, I was on a high, like, where we live, there's this highway thing, but it comes to a stoplight at the bottom of a hill. And it is, and it goes up, like up a pretty steep mountain-ish type thing. And it's actually a spot that they've had a whole bunch of accidents, which is why they were trying to study my accident to see how Mm -hmm. they could make it safer. And what had happened was, or what we think happened is that there was a semi-truck with a trailer going up the hill. And it's 65 or 70 miles an hour, which you're allowed to do in this section. But because he hit the light at the bottom, he was probably going 45 miles an hour. Mm. I was coming and I didn't hit the light at the bottom. And I had a little bit faster car. So I was going definitely 70, if not a little bit more miles an hour. And so I was paying attention to the reservoir on the side of the road, thinking like, why isn't it frozen over? Are we going to get out of the statewide drought naturally? Like, you know, your head's just running stories. Mm And then all of a sudden my attention gets pulled back to the road. I'm like, shoot, I am not like, I'm not in a good spot. So I started slowing down and I looked in my rear view mirror and I could get into the fast lane. So I did, but I didn't make it. The, The headlight on the passenger side 
somehow clipped the back trailer of the semi. And I went end over end over end three times and then started doing sideways rolls and ended up upside down in the median. Um, luckily I was the only one that was injured. Luckily I was, and I really wasn't injured that bad. None of your kids yeah. with you. No, oh, thank God. Thank God. Yeah. Oh, I can't even imagine. Like I'm crazy. You do something to one of my kids and I'm jail crazy, like mm. without question, like, yeah. like zero question whatsoever. So yeah. 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 So in reality, like the accident and then my girlfriend's accident and like all the things I realized I don't get to choose when I die, but I sure get to choose how I live. And I need to start choosing to live for me and all the roles I play instead of putting me on hold and doing all the different roles that I have. So I had a conversation with my kids and I said, Hey, listen, mom's going to start doing things that mom likes. It's going to be a little different around here, but we can have talks about it and adjust and do whatever. So 2019 ended up being a big year of the bucket list. They call it. I mean, I spent, I just started like, I was no longer afraid of what people thought of me. Like what's a good mom mm. or what I should be doing or what's appropriate or whatever else like that. I was afraid of dying. Like what happens if this is my last decade or year or month or week or day? What is my legacy? What am I doing with my life? How am I impacting people? Like, what is this? All the noise fell away. And now all of a sudden I was like, I want to go see these places. I want to go taste these things. I want to go experience these things. I don't care if I win or lose. I just want to know what it feels like. I want to know what it looks like to see the Great Barrier Reef in real life. I want to know all these, like, what does the saltwater feel like in Mexico versus the saltwater feel like in a different location. And so I really got curious and I just allowed myself to put everything on this list. And 2020 was coming. I was turning 40 in 2020. So I'm like, okay, looking at my list, I'm going to climb a mountain for my 40th birthday and it's going to launch my next decade of life. And I'm going to do like some amazing mountain. So living in Park City, I asked some friends, if you could climb one mountain in the whole world, what would it be? And the general consensus was a mountain named Ama de Blanc. It's located in the Himalayas. It's the Paramount Pictures logo. So you might be able mm. to picture it now. Yep. And it means the mother's necklace. So to me, it was like, oh, this is perfect. Like I wanted to do the Himalayas. It means the mother's necklace. I can see, like everybody would know what I'm talking about. So I start training for Ama de Blanc and then COVID strikes right? I'm not traveling anywhere. You're not traveling anywhere. And guess what? My kids aren't in school. So I'm a homeschool teacher to seven humans. You've got a class. I've got a class. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, my kids are socialized. We do not have to worry about this school thing not working. We're good. And one of my kids one day was struggling with his math homework. And of course I'm the parent giving him the proverbial pep talk. Like we do hard things. You've got this, like, just stick with it. There's only five problems left. And he looks up at me and he goes, if we do hard things, why are you climbing a mountain called I'm a dumb blonde instead of a real mountain like Mount Everest? Oh, I said, honey, I'm a dumb not I'm a dumb blonde, but thank you. And you finish your homework. We'll look at Everest. So he did and we did and he went to bed and I was still looking at Everest and I was like, you know what? If he thinks Everest is the hardest mountain in the whole world, I'm going to climb it. And I'm going to yeah. show him that whatever our mountain is, however hard it is, metaphorical or physical, we can summit. Yeah. And so I called the coach and I was training for Everest and Amma de Blanc by the end of the week. 
Well, did you not? Did, so before we get into Everest, did you not both of them out? Yes, I have. Really? I, yeah. Now, I am curious for our listeners out there. How many people, when she mentioned that mountain, did y'all see the little stars like floating around <laughs> right, it like at the right, beginning right. of a movie? Because I did. Um, <laughs> yes, totally. So what was the training like for that? Um, well, luckily, I live in the mountains, right? I live in the largest. That helps. Yeah, so it helps a ton. So you just do mountain things, right? Like you hike in the mountains. We have a climbing gym down in Salt Lake. So I do like some climbing gym sessions, did a lot of weight training, a lot of um, endurance training, like just hikes and going up and down. It's for just getting vertical. And I naturally was an athlete. So I was a gymnast when I was younger. I played college soccer. I got into triathlon for like a hot minute after having kids to meet people. And then all of that really helped give me a strong foundation for mountaineering for sure. What'd your cardio routine look like? Um, like a lot, like a lot. Of, do you know if I say zone two, does that make any sense to you at all? Um, a lot of conversational type activity for a long period of time. Hmm. So I would get up in the morning and I would maybe be on the treadmill walking at an incline for an hour. I yep. get the kids to school. Maybe I'd go mountain biking for like an hour or two. And then I'd come home. Maybe I'd do a couple hours. At, like, I mean, it was long days on the mountain. You know, you're doing eight hour days. I couldn't necessarily do them eight hours back to back, but I was trying yeah. to get eight hours in throughout the day. And then for the most part, you have a lot of days where it's just two hours or one hour, but it's the strength. It's the stretching. It's the whatever. Once you get over two hours and your body automatically knows to go into that endurance mode. Um, and the nice thing is, is when I got into the world record pursuit, which was climbing the seven seconds, all those built upon each other, right? It wasn't like, oh, now I need to go learn how to swim or now I need to learn how to like jump or now I need to, whatever mountaineering is mountaineering. It's the same thing on every mountain. Who planted the seed for the Guinness book of world records? Yeah. So this coach that I hired to train me for Everest sends me a book in the mail about becoming an uphill athlete. And in the front of the book was this lady who got a Guinness world record for doing something in the Alps. And I called, like I was on a call with them. I'm like, I could have done that. Like I could have done what she did. I could have gotten a Guinness world record. My kids would think I'm cool. Homeschooling, not cool. It is not working out for me. My coach took it out. He's like, I'll think of something. I'll think of something. And like I said earlier, I'm like, fine, no pumpkins, no hot dogs, no like fingernails or whatever. He's like, no, I'll come back. So I kind of let it go. It's like a half joking conversation. He calls me back a few weeks later and he's ecstatic. He's like, Jen, Jen, got the perfect world record for you. Like, I actually kind of forgot about the conversation we had. So I'm like, mm -hmm. okay. He's like, I think you should be the first female to climb the seven second summits. And like all of you listening, what are those? I've never even heard of this thing. Like, what are you mm -hmm. talking about? And he's like, well, let me tell you. He goes, it's the second highest point on each of the seven continents. It's been done by one male. It's actually harder than the first seven. And you'd be the first woman to do it. And he goes, now think about this. Seven continents, seven mountains, seven children. It's a jackpot. Like you have to do it. Oh, he's and I thought it, and I'm like, marketing it's there. a jackpot. Oh. Of course I'm doing it. Let's look into it. So I looked into it and it was kind of a cool, you know, I wanted to travel the world and experience things and it kind of just lined up. And so figured I have no females done it before and I can't, whatever, hasn't been done before anyways. So I'll try. And I stepped into the quest and just finished it on June 1st of this year. Wow. 
Yeah. And how cool is that now to to see that as just a an idea that pops into your head and now it's complete. Yeah. Right. And I had, I mean, I hadn't slept in a tent before, so let's be real. I mean, I had fitness, but there's a lot of things that I needed to learn. And there's a lot of things that I'm glad I didn't know going in. There was mm. definitely ignorance is bliss, right? You just make yeah. things up like, oh, I'm sure that's going to be really sexy and fun and great. Who I didn't think about like where toilets were or when I could wash my hair or all these little details yeah. that show up when you're on the quest. But when you're committed, you're committed. And how long did it take? It took me two and a half years. Wow. Yeah, because mountains have climbing seasons. So you'll always mm. see Everest summits in May. You'll see K2 summits in July. So you kind of have to wait till the mountain opens. I had to wait till mountains open based on COVID in the beginning because everything was shut down. And then I failed K2 the first time. I failed Mount Logan the first time. So some of the mountains, you had to wait a whole year to go back. No, when it, you say you failed the mountain. Yeah, I mean, kind of failed. So on K2 in 2021... Um, one of my teammates died in an avalanche. Oh no. Yeah. And another one got injured and I was on the mountain a, a day ahead of them and I had the choice to go up or go down. I think when you're a team sports player or an athlete or whatever, you realize who I am as a person is way more important than what I achieve. 100%. And so I gave up the summit that first year and said, I'm going down to take care of my team and the mountain will always be here. We'll come back. So I remember coming home and my kids came back from camp a couple of days later and they're like, did you summit? Did you summit? I said, no, but I had success. And they looked at me like, what? I said, yeah. I go, I had a teammate pass away and I had to help with all that. And I'm really proud that when I was put in that position, that's the decision I made. And I consider that a success. I'll go back to the mountain and get it another year. So K2 took twice. And then Mount Logan, which is the second highest point in North America, we had really bad weather. Hmm. and um, like negative 65 blizzards worried about the tent ripping worried about fuel being able to melt water and be able to like rehydrate food worried about visibility and crevasses and a whole bunch of things where nature wins right like mother nature is always going to win every time every time and the truth is is the mountains always going to be there whether I am or not is decisions that I make and so the team decided to forgo the summit that year. And it's crazy because you do like you play with that decision for a while. Was it the right choice? Was it not the right choice? We went back the next year. It was like night and day difference. When we went the first year, I was wearing an 8,000 meter suit. Okay. An 8,000 meter suit is made for the coldest points in the world. There's only 14 peaks above 8,000 meters in the entire world. And they make a special suit for you to be warm enough to be in that environment and not get frostbite. I was wearing that suit at camp two in year one of Mount Logan. And we were at like 11,000 vertical feet, like not even high. Yeah. And we went back in 2022. I didn't have to wear the suit once. Like the, I went all the way to the top. It's uh, I think it's almost 20,000 feet. We didn't touch it. So it just so much of those environments have to do with the weather and what your experience is. Yeah, I wouldn't even say you you failed at those two. I would say that it was just all part of the journey and it was. Part of, yeah, part of you learning and getting you prepared for what you ultimately achieved. And yeah. I mean, super cool that you've been able to knock that out. And it's led to some 
incredible stuff that you're doing now, such as we'll start first with uh, the podcast, Seek yeah. Your Summit. What yeah. got the the brainchild going for the uh, the podcast? Because I'm telling you, it's listeners out there, podcasting is fun. But when you got something as cool as this and the concept like Seek Your Summit, what got that started for you? Yeah, I'll be honest. If somebody tells you, like, write a book. Yeah. Like, ask questions. Don't let them make it sound as cavalier as order brownies for dessert. Like, it is a huge undertaking. So a friend of mine told me to write a book. I'm like, okay. He's like, your stories are riveting. I want to read these and understand things. And I'm like, okay, fine. So I started writing a book. And then he's like, you know, you should have a podcast because it's a way to build your network and meet Mm -hmm. with people and talk to them and all this kind of stuff. I'm like, okay, I'll try it. My first podcast studio was a converted closet into a podcast. We've all As been in, there. I had like <laughs> foam, the, like the foam things you buy from Amazon that you have to get wet. So they poof up again yeah. and then you have to glue them onto the wall. So I glued them onto this wall in my closet and then I added lights and then I did my first podcast and I'm trying not to get high on the glue right? Because all of a sudden the lights are curing the glue. And I'm talking to some like amazing human in New York. That's like New York royalty, basically that I only got connected with, with somebody that I knew. And it was, I didn't know how to manage the time. Was I even recording the episode? I had to listen to, it was a nightmare to say the least, but I freaking loved it. Yeah, Like I loved hearing her story and like why she made the choices she made and what she did. And So I kind of got addicted to it. And the reason why I call it Seek Your Summit is because I love sharing stories of people that were seeking a summit, how they got there, how they made it happen, and then really more going from that story of success to the story of significance. Mm. And I think all of us, once we have success, we're looking for that significance and that impact. And it's really fun to hear how people have made that into their lives. And for our listeners out there, how long have you been podcasting? About a year and a half. Okay. So yeah, still, yeah, it's- I'm new. uh, I'm still green. I'm still green. It's funny you said that about the podcasting piece though, because when I did my first one, I had like a little makeshift podcast set up. It was uh, everything that could have gone wrong, almost went wrong. And when I went back and I cannot go back and listen to those first couple episodes. Oh, I know. It's so embarrassing. It's so like, even when I look at it, I'm like, Jennifer, what were you doing? Like, come on. And the people that were on my show were so nice. They're so, and they're like, no reason to be nice. Let's just be honest. Well, and the the funny thing is that about podcasts is like, if you go back on, if you go to Hulu or somewhere and you watch Seinfeld and you watch the first couple episodes, it's hard. You're like, Oh, the theme song's not there. The flow's not there. It feels off. Podcasting is the same way. Every right. single person I know who has a podcast, you go back and, and watch the, or listen to those first couple episodes. And it's like, Ooh, yeah. gosh, that's, but it's sometimes those are the ones where people start with and, and yeah. work their way up. So, um, but yeah, no, that's awesome. You've been doing that and they can find you on any podcast platform. Yeah. 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 As far as I know, someone puts it up there for me. I don't know yeah. how it all gets to the places, but I see it up there and I'm like, oh, wow, this is good. <laughs> so I, I, I'm a fan of good cover art. You have good cover art for your, your uh, podcast episodes. So yeah. Um, also, you mentioned writing a book, the author of Break Proof, 9 January, it's released. Yes. So tell yes. us about Break Proof, what can people expect from it and where can they get a copy? 
Yes. So break proof seven strategies to build resilience and achieve your life goals. Mm. And I wrote the book to a younger version of myself. So um, what I do is I take you on the mountain expeditions and I take you to a point where we break in that expedition. And in that break, we have the proof of what we need to do to continue what's working well, what's not working well, and how we regroup to get to the summit. And I feel like each mountain has a different story that you're going to be able to apply to your own life and become break proof in your pursuits and what you're trying to achieve. So it was a very challenging book to write because first I was writing about each expedition. And then I was like, okay, well, I want people to take something from this that they can apply to their lives. So it's not just the story. So then we started like tuning the stories to have a specific message. And then we have questions and different things to help people like really understand how that applies to their lives. And it's just fun to take it from a mountain experience because the experiences were so unique and so extreme that it really highlights each point. Yeah. Super cool concept. And yeah, I love it. I mean, it was a wrestling match for a long time, but I think we finally got to the point where like, okay, people read it. We've gotten good feedback and we're, I was, I'm excited about it. So you can order it. Um, you can go to my website, gendrama.com and find the links to Barnes and Noble and Amazon and all the different book retailers. If people buy it before it releases, we give a whole bunch of freebies along the way, but otherwise it's available in bookstores on January 9th. That's one thing about this podcast is I always think it's the coolest thing when I talk to these people and I go to a books a million and I see like Christy Wright's book sitting there and I'm like, been on the podcast. So I'm going to. I'll keep my eyes open, take a photo when I see it. All Um, right. And since you've got, you've, uh, you know, dipped your toes into podcasting, can we expect like an audio book as well? We will. We're not going to come up with the audio book for a little bit afterwards. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's coming. It's just, we haven't, I have seven kids. (laughs) I'm like, I have to do one thing at a time and the audio book's going to be a little delayed, but that's okay. You'll hear kids in the background when you're doing it. Yeah. Right. I'm like, dude, shh. <laughs> so, now, are you going to do the audio book? Are you going to have some other I'm, I'm, like, they make you try out for your own audio book, just I've heard, to let you know. I've heard people yes. who've been rejected from their own. Yes, audiobooks. yes, yes, yes. So I'm trying out to be my own audio book. Good luck. <laughs> so yes. Wish me luck. Let's hope it happens. If you don't hear my voice, you know, I didn't win. That's okay. <laughs> so. I had a, uh, I believe it was coach Dar was on the podcast. Oh, and she, I love her. She's awesome. She's she got, awesome. She got uh, rejected from her own audiobook because she said her act. They said her accent was too thick. Yeah, 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 yeah. So she wasn't able to do it. But um, well, another question for you: What's next? You you've already hiked these mountains. You've got the book. You got the podcast. What's next on your radar? Yeah, you know, I am not allowing myself to pick a next until at least a year after this last expedition. So June 1st of 2024 is when I'm looking at maybe deciding what I'm going to do. I'm a quick start and I'm a hard stop. I know this about myself. And I also feel we spend so much time on what's next that I'm trying to just live what is. Yeah. Become appreciative of this time right now because there's always a next. Yeah. I mean, what a good time for you too. I mean, your kids are at that perfect age, Uh, book release the podcast. And I'm taking three of my boys climbing in February. So we're going to go to Africa and go do a mountain together. 
Um, so I'm excited about that. Like there's just right now it's a season of just recharging, reinvigorating myself, getting excited again, and then seeing what shows up. I like that too. Cause a lot of times it's sit around on the couch on a phone, uh, but actually getting out and doing stuff, especially with the kids. That's, that's super cool. You mentioned your legacy earlier when all said and done, what do you want people to say about you? I want them to say she lived right? Like she wasn't afraid to try things or to do things or to be silly. She had fun along the way. I definitely, before the accident was a little bit of a vice gripper of life and pretty yeah. serious and pretty like, we're going to get this no matter what. Um, and after the accident, I learned how to surrender and still achieve. And there's been so much beauty in this experience. And I'm just so grateful that I'm here to be able to do it. Yeah, I think one thing that really resonates about your story that I've noticed throughout us sitting here talking about it is it went from what most people go through, where they go to college, they have a job lined up, and they kind of forecast out the next 30, 40 years of their life, where I don't think you could have envisioned hiking Everest. And yeah, from from getting told no and being told, nope, this is your job. This is what you actually do uh, to what you ended up achieving and what you got going on right now just shows like just go with the flow of life and see what opportunities are put in front of you. So very powerful message here from you. And I appreciate you joining us. What final comments do you have for our listeners? Mm. Here's something that I do that I think has really helped me. And so I want to share this tip with everybody listening is develop a trigger meditation. Mm. I don't care what your trigger is, but think of a trigger. So for me, I have every single time I touch a doorknob, I'll make sure that I breathe three deep breaths and it just allows me to reset and get out of the momentum of whatever I'm doing and reconnect to who I am. I even use it as a, at a red light. We have a red light by our house and we're the short side. So I always hit this red light. And now when I hit the red light, I turned it into my gratitude light. My kids know this. So anytime we hit that red light, everybody starts spitting out things that they're grateful for in the car. So during our day, we can find little ways to time out of the world and time into ourselves. I think it really helps us show up an authentic way that keeps us charged and going for the things that we desire. Yeah. I might, I might have to steal some of those because I'm, I'm big into that. I'm big into that. Well, I can't thank you enough for joining us folks. Check out our episode description. We will have the links for the podcast, for the book, for everything that she's doing. Also, if you like what we're doing here at The Shadows, head over to theshadowspodcast.com, to Spotify, to Apple, leave us a review. Uh, they help out big time. She could probably tell you as a podcast host, those reviews are huge for us. And I challenge you not just to say, love the episode or love the show. I challenge you to tell us which episode resonated with you the most and why. Um, it's pretty cool to reach back out to our guests and let them know that there's listeners out there that they have no idea about and these episodes are impacting them as much as they are. So definitely go leave us a review if you like what we're doing. And until next week, we'll see you on another episode of The Shadows Podcast.